The Lord is awakening hearts all across our nation and the nations of the earth to come back to the power and simplicity of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. In light of this, Peter and Christie and many others have felt the leading of the Lord to have a national communion celebration. So, July 3rd, as our nation prepares to celebrate its independence, we are gathering. Fathers and mothers, pastors and leaders at Independence Hall in Philadelphia to come together as one voice and declare our dependence on God as a nation and to proclaim this gospel message. In these short podcast episodes, Peter explains the history, heart, and vision of this communion celebration because we want you to join in with us. It's time for true freedom to ring through our nation. It's time to live out this gospel message, and it's time to invite our nation to come to the table. All right, guys, welcome back to the Braveheart Podcast special edition of you riding with me and my forerunner to work. Um, Today, I'm actually riding to work out before I work. So early morning and yeah, just want to share again with you guys uh, some of the prophetic history and revelations surrounding this July 3rd uh, come to the table uh, communion celebration. So where we left off last time, I feel like this is kind of like story time with Peter, but hopefully uh, it inspires you. Hopefully it, it quickens your heart and more than anything, I, I'm, I, I think what I'm doing is I'm appealing to each of you who listen to the podcast and I'm saying, will you join your faith with me? Will you, will you seek God and say, Lord, am I supposed to, to pick up this trumpet and blow it with Peter around the nation, like Gideon's army, 300. Um, and, and that's really where we left off in our last story. Um, as I was in my kitchen and I was feeling insecure because I basically heard the trumpet call to run with this thing, but I didn't know how. And I was telling the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to gather hundreds of thousands of people and this and that. And he said, well, what are you doing? And I said, Lord, I just, I don't know, I train people in the faith. And he said, well, then why don't you train people um, how to preach the gospel through communion? And I was like, okay. And he led me to the Genesis scripture where it says, Abram had 318 trained men born in his house. And I said, that's it. I'm going to call. I'm going to put out a call and see if we can get 318 trained men and women uh, and train them in the faith. And so we did that uh, last year. We did the Braveheart 318 uh, from August into December. We had a big gathering on 1210. Uh, Revelation 12.10, significant scripture, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. Uh, And we trained people from around the world uh, for uh, 12 weeks um, just in in the faith, in communion. And the heart behind that was, was again, getting people together trained to to carry this message of uh, this ministry, really, of reconciliation. Um, to declare the forgiveness, the grace of God through the Lord's table. And so we did that. There was, um, it was wonderful. It was hard. Um, For those of you who did it, um, hopefully you were strengthened, nourished, encouraged. We did, we went on Zoom every Tuesday night, uh, Zoom and YouTube live, and we did a communion 
uh, service. Uh, we did worship. We did some time of teaching in the word. And then we had focuses. And we talked about how when we talk about communion revival, we talk about that there's a, a personal awakening. Um, one of the signs that we wanted to see and, and we would say, okay, we're in a communion revival is when we see individual believers in the body of Christ beginning to to get awakened to the love of God personally, where the veils removed and all of a sudden they're being baptized in the love of God. They're being washed of their sins. They're being awakened to the covenant. That to me is one of the signs of communion revival is personal uh, awakening. Um, and then the second thing we touched on was that there would be a, a breaking down of denominationalism. We, we, we really sensed that the second focus was um, that there's a, a place of dependency, that no longer are we going to do this alone, but because we eat of one bread and drink of one cup, that we're going to be together, that um, we're going to repent of, of sort of lone star Christianity and superstar Christianity of how far can I get by myself and rather how can I build up my brother and sister in the Lord. Um, and so I, I believe the table of the Lord has the power to break down denominationalism, to break down the, the massive uh, divisions we have in the body of Christ. And then the third one uh, that we felt is that first Corinthians 11, that we would proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, and that there's a, a message in the meal um, and there's so much, there's so much of a message in the meal. It's a spiritual message proclaimed to spiritual powers, but it's also a message we pro pro proclaim to the Lord. We proclaim to ourselves, to one another, and ultimately to the powers of darkness. We proclaim that he's been defeated. Um, and I think we also proclaim, we can proclaim this meal to the lost and invite them to repent and be saved. And so the message to the lost is your sins are forgiven. And you say, how can you tell the lost that their sins are forgiven? Well, we can tell them that their sins are forgiven because of the broken body and shed blood. Does that mean that they're born again? No, it means that we're announcing to them the good news that in Christ, their sins are forgiven. And we're inviting them to turn from their ways to repent, that's repentance, and to confess Jesus as Lord. But the, the leading foot isn't you're a sinner you're, the good news isn't you're a sinner. The good news is your sins are forgiven. And this is a, this is a tweak and a nuance that I think makes a lot of Christians uncomfortable. And I want to give you faith to be able to tell a lost, unbelieving person that their sins are forgiven. Um, first of all, I would point to Jesus on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So, he, so Jesus himself actually prayed to the Father that those crucifying him, this is the this is the this is who we were. We we would have been crucifying Jesus. Um, that's the definition of a sinner. Um, he forgives them, and he asks the Father to forgive them, and he doesn't hold that sin against them. And then, in Second Corinthians five, we learn that we've received all of us have received the ministry of reconciliation, which is this, which is God making his appeal, okay, through Jesus to be reconciled to him. And then, and then Jesus himself entrusting to us this message of reconciliation, which is what? Not counting men's trespasses against them. So that's the, <laughs> so, so what do we do? 
we say your sins are forgiven. Your sins are not counted against you. And what does that do? It it tells of them of the good news of Jesus, and it gives them an opportunity to repent and come and to be born again, to be reconciled to God. And so that's a big uh, part of the heart uh, of this message is that we proclaim forgiveness from the Lord's table. And in that proclamation, we invite people to come and to make covenant with God. If there's people on July 3rd who do not know God, I want you guys to know we are going to preach the gospel clearly uh, from Independence Mall online. We're going to broadcast it, Lord willing, on God TV and a number of other places. Um, and and we're going to declare the gospel. And then we're going to invite people to take communion and make covenant with God as their act of faith in turning to him. And this is very biblical because when Jesus wanted to make covenant with his disciples, he didn't do an altar call. He had them at the table. It was their moment of covenant, the broken body and the shed blood. So that last supper before he died, he was making covenant. He did communion. He, he led them in a place of communion. And that's the covenant place with God. That's how we make covenant with God. And it's how we remember our covenant with God. And so, again, um, for this episode, I want you guys to understand um, this, this power, this authority we've been given uh, as ministers of reconciliation and that we really need to unify. I'm, I'm pleading with the body of Christ, with pastors, with leaders, and, and others in the body of Christ to unify around the Lord's table for those three, those three things that I mentioned. Number one, personal awakening and revival inside, the love of God. Number two, breaking down of, of division amongst us. And then number three, the, the ministry of reconciliation, proclamation of forgiveness through the Lord's table and the gospel. Um, and so this is what we're carrying. This is what we want to carry from now into July 3rd and even beyond. And July 3rd is just sort of a flashpoint, a, a, a catalyst moment for us to really trumpet this message. And so um, the final scripture I'll give you is this. And this was a very, very key scripture that I think is even prophetic for the timing of this. Um, and it's John 20, 22, and 23. Um, Jesus uh, has resurrected from the dead. He walks into the, the locked room where the disciples are. And he, sa- he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, anyone whose sins you forgive shall be forgiven. And anyone whose sins you withhold shall be withheld. And this is such a powerful principle. The first thing he tells them after... He breathes on them to receive the Holy Spirit, which I believe is their born again moment, right? This is not their, this is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is their sealing. The resurrected Jesus is now, I am now alive. And just like God, the father breathed into the first Adam, he breathed and he became a living being. Jesus breathes on his disciples and they become born again. They, they, they receive the Holy Spirit because he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the first sort of activity or delegated authority associated with the Holy Spirit wasn't to speak in tongues, wasn't to go make disciples of all nations. It was a ministry and the authority to either forgive or to withhold and that God himself would honor that because of the Holy Spirit we had received. And this is something so critical for the church to understand that the authority that comes with the Holy Spirit it comes based on the 
blood in the body, but the spirit is the means by which it is applied. So when I look at someone, how do you apply the blood of Jesus on offense to someone who's lost? You look at them and you declare with revelation, with truth, standing upon Jesus and his finished work. You look at them and you say, hey, I have good news for you. Your sins are forgiven. And I want to release you and I want to invite you to come and to make Jesus Lord of your life and to make covenant with him. You were made for union with God. You were made for union with Christ. You were made to belong in the body of Christ, to no longer be blown to and from by culture and by sin and every wind and wave of doctrine. You were made for covenant with the living God and to enjoy this sweet communion with your maker and with and with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is how we're going to preach the gospel is that. And then, and then when we say that, I believe the Holy Spirit bears witness to those words based on the blood, based on the body of Christ, and begins to minister to them in power, healing the sick, delivering people who have demonic oppression, um, and that there's a real, like God's going to really testify to this message um, with, his, with his mighty outstretched hand, with signs, with wonders, and we're already seeing it. Um, I, I heard a testimony this week uh, of a woman who uh, literally, she had an issue of blood. Uh, she had a uh, hormonal imbalance and she would have her cycle for six weeks at a time. And and God healed her of this in a gathering with the presence of God, with a word, um, she was healed. And um, anyway, it's just a profound story. And so this is the heart. Um, this is what we're carrying. This is what we believe we're called to release on July 3rd. And so I really want to invite you guys um, again to, to, to get on. Uh, to get online, to join us, help us blow this trumpet from now until July 3rd. Um, we want you to be there. We want you to set a table in your home, set a table in your church. If you're a pastor and leader listening to this, uh, we want you to sign up and join us. We've been doing monthly Zoom calls uh, with pastors and leaders leading up to this event. Uh, we want you to be there with us uh, on that day, uh, carrying this message with us. Love you guys so much. And, um, yeah, stay tuned next week. Um, we're going to dive deeper. If you feel led to partner with us in this, please go to cometothetableamerica.co and you'll find some practical ways that you can partner with us, which include number one, having a live stream party at your house and joining in with what the Lord does in Philadelphia. Or number two would be to support this through finances or through prayer as this is a national event, we need a lot of covering, both financially and in prayer and in the spirit. So we've already raised about $100,000 and we need about 50000 more. And also, we would love for you to pray into this and let us know what you hear from the Lord. Reach out to us, email us, tell us on social media as you're praying in what you see the Lord doing. And number three would be just to spread the word. We really feel this is something the Lord is doing across our nation, and we would love if you would share with your friends and your family and join in with this communion celebration. Again, the website is cometothetableamerica.co. We love you. Be brave.